I'm not a cloud seeder scientist. I don't know what this stuff is. Uh, I only seed the ladies. December 15, 2021. This is Rare Encounter, Encounter number 75. And contemplating my bust of Homer, I'm Abel Kirby. And living in exotic Ontario, I'm Cold Ass. <laughs> and you heard, it, you heard it here first. Uh, contemplating orbs, pondering orbs is out. Contemplating busts is in. This is news to me. It's the new meme. It's the new hotness. So I, I'm contemplating busts says all day who? now. Well, says me. Well, who says you get to say what the memes are? Well, the memes are contemplating the busts. Look, okay, have you contemplated a bust yet? I've been contemplating busts all day. I contemplate busts every time I go outside and see women. (laughs) If there's a bust, I'll contemplate it. That's all I'm saying. You can ponder your orb. I'm going to contemplate busts. That's all I'm doing. Well, contemplating the orb and contemplating busts don't have to be different things. You could ponder ponder the bust and contemplate the orb, I suppose. It all gets mixed up. Sir, Be- Sir Bemrose has it down pat. Contemplating busts is the only reason to watch anime. <laughs> oh, boy. There you go. And I'll drink to that. And Sir Spencer says he's contemplating busts right now. And I mean, <laughs> when don't you contemplate busts, Sir Spencer? Probably only when you're sleeping. There was, there is a famous headline. So obviously the the famous painting is Aristotle contemplates bust of Homer, and they had, um, it was a guy named Aristotle. I think it was a, a Israel uh, Israeli politician, and he was going to buy Buster Keaton's house. And so the headline was Aristotle contemplates home of Buster. <laughs> it's, it's the stupid stupidest headline, but still one of my favorites ever. Oh, man. And I got my beard. I got my sweet baby Jesus chocolate peanut butter porter. My God, it tastes like it's made out of peanut butter. Good Lord. Mm. Peanut butter is something that's nice to spread on bread, but it's not something you want to drink. This this is... Meanwhile, uh, I got here. I got here something. I got uh, a Okanagan apple cider. Apple cider. Crisp apple cider. Nice. And it says, name is Okanagan, but the question is, is it like, oh yes, it is from BC. Okay, so it is legitimately Okanagan then. Okanagan. 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 You make a wonderful cider. (laughs) Is it wonderful? Let me taste it. Let's find out. Yeah, it's good. Very apple It's good when cold acid drinks it on the show. Uh, we'll leave the song to someone else. Get yeah, we we are we are the last people who should be singing. <laughs> they, or at least I am. No, no, actually, that's not true. I still sing better than my brother because I'm at least able to be mostly on key, and he inherited from our mother the complete inability to stay on key. Somewhere I have a recording of you singing Afro Man, and I need to find that for the show. I'm, it's stashed somewhere. My God. I need to find that clip. I know I have it. It exists. And I gotta play it and shame you. <laughs> also, it's kind of fun. I'll play it before the show if I can find it. This is of me doing When I Got High? When when I Got High a, a long time ago, man. God, that must have been old... that must have been in the KS years. Yeah, it was. Long time ago. Yeah. Damn. Man. So I was catching up on um 
a couple different things. And uh, I wanted to bring up Kyron. Uh, you know, uh, the Adam Curry interview. Uh, uh, Mere Mortals, number 66. He did the Adam Curry interview about the value for value system. Uh, I don't know if you caught this, but it got circulated in the podcasting 2.0 circles. And it was very interesting because he, in the pre-run to it, they were always saying, oh, yeah, uh, he's going to interview uh, Adam Curry, but he has all new questions. All new questions. All his questions are going to be unique and not the usual normal ones you've heard a million times. And uh, I listened were to that. They? Yeah, the questions were really good. And Adam continually keeps turning back to answering the new questions with the same old answers, which I thought was hilarious. Like Come on, he, Adam. You can do better than that. He asked him some question about, oh, well, oh, how did being a radio announcer change, you know, your the way that you tell stories? And then he goes into, yeah, well, I had the 101 uh, Radio Shack electronics kit. Was, and he goes back to the old thing that you've heard a million times. Like, ah, come on. So we got new questions, but the same answers. Ooh, throwing shade Wait. here. <laughs> <laughs> Poor <laughs> Adam fun. getting shade thrown on him. But it was a great, um, aside from that, the... Uh, the um, whole topic of it was great. It was the value for value system. And it's a story you and I know, but it's interesting if people haven't heard it before. The the model where you just put your stuff out there and you ask people, the proposition is if you got something out of it, if you got some value, you can send that back to us. And that's going to be the way we sustain our show. And it's just going to be like the, uh, the proverbial story you always wanted to go into, but you never shopped at. And then next thing you know, it's closed because you never supported it. So that's how I we think about it. It's you get what you pay for or more like you pay for what you get. Yeah. The the turn of phrase from this year is the play to pay model. That's one that I'm a fan of. I like the phrase, too. It's not really play to pay th- or it's not really pay to play though no you, it's play. You play and then if you decide you pay it's the play to you have to listen to it if you want to donate it's the oh, uh, play to pay okay i had i uh, yeah i heard it backwards obviously <laughs> uh, i love it and so that's how we do things on rare encounter we are a value for value podcast and i want to roll right into it because we have some donations don't we you know maybe well, we did we did get 25 dollars us through paypal from a certain uh Baron L. I'm not gonna say their last name. Oh, Baron Lump. This is this is Baron as in like Baron Trump, but but not but but not Baron Trump. But Baron Lump. Yeah, Baron Lump. Okay, sure. No message from them. Uh, Oh, that's too bad. I don't know a Baron. Does anyone know a Baron? They're they're no, I don't. But they're essentially our executive producer, unless somebody gave us more than twenty five dollars worth of sats. No. I did go through the boostergrams before the show, and I see, actually, at the top of the list, I see uh, Kyron Down from Mere Mortals, but he he boosted Abelcraft, though, so I won't read that on the show. And scrolling down. Yeah, that's a different, different show. The We did get one for uh, for Rare Encounter from CurioCaster. Uh, it's 2,400 sats for me, so I think it would be, uh, it's probably 5,000 total. Or something about that. And it's from Potato Boofer. Which Potato Boofer? Potato Boofer says, keep up the good work. And work is spelled W-E-R-K exclamation point. So, right. work. So somebody out there likes our potato news, obviously. Uh, I think they do. I don't know. Maybe we're, maybe we're on to something. It's a, it's a segment that really took root, if you know what I mean. 
Uh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, playing there it off stage. Go. That's bad. Oh my god. So we got some snow, man. Ohio, yeah, it's been. You got snow. We've got the swinging temperatures. Some days you go outside and it's freezing cold, and you need a uh, two coats and four pairs of gloves just to just to stay alive. And then you go out the next day and it's like, hey, I could wear a t-shirt today. This very, entire very week has been above zero, so mm-hmm. it's not been too bad. Yeah. It was wet today, though, which is a pain in the ass. Ah, uh, one of those wet uh, days. Going going upstairs and seeing it all wet and like. I don't want to go out and have to have to pull the recycling bins and everything from the street. Yeah. Man, I don't understand how our trash works at this new apartment. They have a... Allegedly, they have a dumpster you put everything in, but the dumpster fence, when you go inside it, it's empty. And so I went inside it, and I was like, I don't know, maybe they just removed all the trash, and I'm supposed to just leave this bag here. There's no indication of what you're supposed to do. It's the only place to go, so I've been putting my trash in, like, a corner of a a corner of a fenced-off uh, area. It's got, like, an animal-proof, bear-proof fence around it, you know, so they don't tear in the bags. Wait, you and, got bears around there? Well, I don't know what it... It could be bear-proof. It doesn't mean there's bears. Could just be coyotes, I guess. Yeah, that's... They the like things, going through trash. Them, them, and them, and raccoons. Yeah. So I don't know what to do. I've just been stacking my garbage bags in the corner of this, and I'm waiting for someone to tell me the I'm doing it wrong. So we'll see. We'll have the trash update sometime. You'll see me uh, get an angry letter of uh, who's putting their damn trash in the in the wrong place. You know, I can't imagine what that's for other than trash. So whatever. Fortunately, I don't make that much, so it's only a bag or two. It's not the bagger 5,000. <laughs> no. So so you're wondering about Ontario being exotic? Exotic? I hear they have exotic, exotic dancers. No, exotic locales. Is it? No, Ontario is nowhere is not exotic <laughs> in the just, slightest. I mean... I've... But people on Twitter are making others think it is. How? Oh, by they're taking, lying. By taking... Yeah, by taking pictures of actual exotic locales from around the world and tweeting them with captions <laughs> that say like, "Oh, I love I love this here in Whitby, Ontario or Thunder Bay." And Oh man. Wait, what what places in Ontario are there? All sorts of places. Yeah. I love Hawaii, Ontario. That's my favorite place. Hawaii, I like, Ontario. I like to go vacation there. Sometimes how about you go? How about you go and have vacations in luxury beach resorts in Thunder Bay, which looks surprisingly like Cuba for some reason. Interesting. Or the Sands Marina Bay Hotel in Kitchener Waterloo instead of Singapore. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess there's how many bays are there in Ontario? Uh, kind of interesting. There are a lot of bays in Ontario. You know, there there are a lot of lakes in Ontario oh, to begin right. with, and then there are bays and bays and bays on top of that. When I think of bay, I think of you know a sea bay, not a not a. We uh, have a lake, lake called bay. Lake of Bays. Lake here. of Bays. It sounds like yeah, House of lake Leaves. Of lake of Bays, House of Leaves, Leaves of Grass. And in fact, there is a brewing company on Lake of Bays. Lake of Bays. Called, take a guess. Lake of Bays Brewery. Hmm. The Lake of Bays. And where's your Lake bay of from? Bays Brewing Company? 
My favorite place in Ontario is Grand Canyon. It's so scenic. We actually have a huge-ass canyon in Ontario. It's just that it's in the middle of Algonquin Provincial Park. And this is a problem because? Because it's not as accessible as the Grand Canyon in the USA. The Grand not Canyon nearly is as the long either, nowhere. obviously. <laughs> the Grand Canyon's in fucking nowhere. How's yeah, it? but it's got highways to it and tourist traps. Oh, okay. I prefer Meteor Crater as far as Arizona tourist traps go, but that's me. Well, that's because Meteor Craters are fucking awesome. Yeah. It's Meteor, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, here we go. Two. I got two of them, man. Yeah. Well, I was reading the news. Unfortunately, it's a sad thing to do. And, yeah. Uh, I the saw, news is sad. I, I saw... Something that lifted my spirits. It was a an article in the New Yorker uh, about the BuzzFeed spec. And I put this in my notes, and it has a little picture of the BuzzFeed uh, founders and employees all celebrating as they went public through their spec. And, you know... What the hell is, is a spec? I know what an IPO is, but what the hell is a spec? It's a special purpose acquisition company. It's like um, It's like a shell corporation that you make just to pump a bunch of money in and then buy the company that you're going to go public with the bottom okay. line the reason they use it as far as i can tell i mean i'm not a one of these investment guys but as far as i can tell by making a company and taking the money from the investors before you buy the company you're going to go public with then you can sidestep a bunch of disclosure requirements like oh, if you're taking so an it's I a scam yeah well yeah basically yeah, that's it. That's what the spec is. And uh, so you get the money first. You say, I'm going to do this, and you get the money. And then because you don't know what's wrong with BuzzFeed, you can't be f at fault if when you buy it, the investors turned out to be defrauded. So whatever. I think that's the bottom line. Maybe my analysis is wrong. Anyway, this story in The New Yorker lifted my spirits because the... <sighs> It's not a real news story. The news story that it actually reports, uh, there's two, let me back up. There's two stories going on. There's this, the story which they actually wrote, and then there's the one that you read between the lines. And the story they actually wrote, it's actually about the BuzzFeed employees who had Class B stock. And so BuzzFeed comes out, it has the $1.5 billion valuation, and people are turning over, they're selling shit, making a bunch of money and making bank. And a bunch of former employees, as they're characterized as, uh, of BuzzFeed, who have their stock for the company, said, oh, it's time for me to trade. I'm going to sell my stuff and cash out. Finally, when it's at this high, and it's trading really, really well for the first, you know, couple days before it crashed. But the uh, they found out that they had Class B shares, and they could not trade them. And that's kind of the basis of this story is, oh, you know, the BuzzFeed reporters... Um, you know, they kind of got duped because they're just the and, and, you know, this is the big guy really putting the poor little guy down is the way that New Yorker uh, writes on the page. But if you read between the lines, this story is actually hilarious because the basis of it is BuzzFeed reporters didn't do their research is Basically what the New York is say, New Yorkers say. They didn't know what kind of class share they had. 
and they're confused because, you know, BuzzFeed reporters aren't really reporters. They, they even describe them in the, uh, in the article. This is the New Yorker throwing shade at BuzzFeed as, oh, they're like the poor little under low class workers, not us, the guys with their noses up in the air. So uh, as, as I read this article, um, the reason Honestly, the New Yorker, the New Yorker would make that sort of impression about people at CNN or Fox. Oh, they, they would. Like, the New Yorker is just fucking the snobbiest thing on, in print. This is thoroughly entertaining to read. It just, uh, it, it got me going. Like, it, like, you could call the New Yorker, like, mustachio enthusiast, right? <laughs> and and it would it would be less pretentious. Yeah, it's... It is definitely a uber pretentious article with uh, that's that's really just about shitting on BuzzFeed. So maybe that's why I like it. But it's not direct. You have to read between the lines and just how they describe the poor BuzzFeed worker. <laughs> it's funny. Okay, that lifted my spirits. There's your BuzzFeed SPAC news. The, the 1.5 billion valuation, and the the quote is BuzzFeed is apparently now a consolidator in the media space. And it's unclear. I guess they're going to buy uh, RPS or something. I don't know what BuzzFeed's going to buy. They're going to consolidate things, though. Yep. So, so I've got I've got something for for these BuzzFeed people. Yeah. Yet again, BuzzFeed reporters didn't do their research. I think that's the bottom line. Anyway, so that's it. That was my. Uh, somewhat mean-spirited take on on this story which would otherwise be stupid oh man i enjoy it, it it's fun to see the buzzfeed idiots taken down a notch oh. well we got some other stuff you want to trade off today you could hit something and then i'll hit something hold on a second first i just want to mark some things before before i do that okay i've got a few stories to bring up but so do you, and I think yours are actually are actually a lot more amusing. <laughs> well, I don't want to blow but my mind. But I offered I offered ugly sweaters in the Snake Girl Semaphore, so I better bring these ugly sweaters. Yeah, bring them up. Yeah, for fifty eight pounds in the UK, you can get an ugly Christmas sweater themed around Minesweeper. Oh boy! Yes, the 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 Minesweeper game in Windows. Jeez. And and the nice thing though about it is that the some of the proceeds, at least uh, about a hundred thousand dollars worth of the proceeds, is actually going to charity, the Able Gamers charity. Okay. I didn't know you had a charity, by the way. <laughs> Apparently, I do. It's it's a charity for people wounded by minefields. Is that actually it? No, I just made that up. Yeah, I thought I thought it was for for people who wanted to play video games, butter butter like so, tragically wounded in a minefield. I'm just going. That's I'm what the, that's what the sweater is for. I know. Okay, I, whatever. Well, if they had this sweater, they would have known where the mines were. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh boy, so what's this? Yeah, you should you should take a look at the article. Take a look at the pictures in there. Yeah, I'm looking. Does it have a... Uh, I'm just imagining, like a, before I look at it, I'm imagining a a sweater that's just a bunch of those gray tiles, except it has two mines right on the nipples. That's that's what I no, would do. No, it, it actually has... It's actually Christmas tree-shaped board. There's oh, some exploded it. mines, 
And the numbers don't actually match up uh, properly from from what it looks like. Man, uh, considering guys. considering there's one there's one square that has two mines next to it. Yeah, I see it up in the top uh, yeah. center. Yeah, so so yeah, the definitely wasn't designed by somebody Ugh. who actually plays Minesweeper well, yeah. regularly. And how do you set off all the bombs at once? Usually you set off one and you die. Who's making this damn sweater? I have no idea. He should have called I my charity. Like, I do like that it uses like the Windows 3.1 icon on the sleeves. On the front and back of of each sleeve, by the look of things. Yeah. Oh no, just on just on the elbows. Oh, cool. Yeah. This is copyright Microsoft. Is Microsoft involved in the design? Microsoft is probably involved in the design. Yes, they. It looks like they. Yeah, they commissioned it for sale on the Xbox Gear Shop. Hmm. Minesweeper ugly sweater. Oh God. Yeah, able gamers. That's me. <laughs> they should have called my consulting firm. I would have told them where to put the mines. <laughs> I don't know they want that advice from you, because I know where you would tell them to put the mines. I, t I would tell you. that. I mean, that's the trick for a tacky sweater, is you just put, like, you. I, it's got to be really bad. Well, this is pretty damn tacky. I mean, like, the the shirt with the handprints on the boobs. That's the my favorite kind of shirt. It's just so... It's just so out there gross that you have to is laugh it at it. Is it just handprints, like, like facing upwards, or is it, like... Like you're being grabbed. Handprints, like, holding up the breasts sort of handprints. Like being groped from behind is what it looks like. So, yeah, holding up the breasts. It's then. a it's a very tacky sweater. I love... Uh, Kristen Shaw wore it in a music video. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, and I can't remember the name of the music video, but she was... She just... Where is it? She dances on the screen in it. It's just funny. Oh, well, it's one of those. Uh, it's almost like that shirt they sell at anime conventions where it's just all the girls having orgasms. Oh, I love the Hagako sweater. <laughs> You've got sweatshirt, that. yeah. They were banning those now because there's, uh, I don't know, There's, I guess there's a lot of people who have them and it's making some con convention goers uncomfortable. So they don't want you wearing it around. So, uh, Oh my god. They are. They're banned. There, yeah. there is an entire shop for Ahigo themed clothing. Oh god. Can you link me that? Link that in the chat. Yeah, I I, I'm putting this. that in the chat. I'm putting that in the chat. Of course. Uh, Ahigoshop.com. So it's a, um, mon the pattern in, of these shirts is a montage of just girls with O faces. It's incredibly tacky. People seem to like it. Oh, you put it in no agenda. There I have go pizza t-shirt. Uh, I'll put it in rare encounter. For I have go shoes. Too. I have go uh, shorts. Oh, it I has go a... mugs. <laughs> it's actually there's a, pizza. There's a I go double piece mug. <laughs> it's got the pizza, the girl on the pizza pie. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's one delicious pizza. <laughs> there's oh, my God. My little pony. I go hoodie. Oh, God. Some of, of these, of course. Are... So yeah, imagine rolling into uh, I don't know your church dinner with one of these and the faces you get. I don't think that would be what you want. I I think I think it's quite possible that they would start like throwing uh, holy water at you and chasing you out as as like spawn of Satan. Yeah, man. So the the artists get credit for these shirts, or is this another one of these? Uh, we're stealing the art 
from some anime site because they don't speak English, um, they they'll never catch us. I don't know because I don't... Uh, they they do have a link about the California SB six fifty seven Supply Chain Transparency Act. Maybe that would have something to say about where they source the art. I no, nope, just I doubt uh, that. just evaluate and address risks of human trafficking and slavery. Other uh, anime. No one gets hurt with hentai. You know what I mean? It's a pretty safe thing to be into. You know, no one really is the guy. I guess, yeah, sure, but I it's mean, a whole different story for it's a whole different story I, for making shirts. I mean, have you seen those? Uh, I guess some people, sweatshops in like China and Bangladesh. Yeah, it's the making the shirts the problem. If you're just drawing, you know, if it's just hentai, it's like what what's going to happen? I guess you could get like carpal tunnel. Yeah, or hentai something has from never that. hurt anyone. You could kind of <laughs> your wrist disorder from drawing too much. Yeah, drawing too much. That's what they're calling it now. Yeah. Oh, man. So I got the space cow. The space cow story. Moo! Uh, this, this is a throwaway. I didn't know about the space cow, though. I didn't know about any space cow, either. Yeah, this is from Tell the, me about this space cow. This was from the New Scientist uh, article. It's about... The space cow was a 2018 supernova, or uh, I should say a 2018 cosmic event that they were trying to classify. And so the naming convention for it is they called it AT2018 and then three random letters. But the three random letters assigned to it turned out to be COW. <laughs> and so this bright flash of light which appeared in the sky uh, and was very difficult to explain was called the space cow. Don't have a cow, man. Don't have a cow, man. And uh, it was discovered by, usually they, they thought it was a supernova or something like that. But according to the article, I haven't checked the facts on this, the duration of supernovae type explosions is usually pretty slow in terms of days and weeks and months where you can kind of see it starting to go off and the explosion takes so long to happen that you kind of watch it over the period of many, many, many days. And... In this case, they had the space cow. They suddenly saw a very bright event. It got picked up by these telescopes in Hawaii. And it was unusual by how fast it was increasing. And so they saw the, the magnitude of the, um, of the bright spot and the magnitude of the x-rays they were picking up from this were showing up way higher than they thought a supernova should be. And the onset of it was really fast, and then it went away really fast, too. So it was this mystery, uh, called, which is called the Space Cow. And this article is just a, an explanation for what they think happened, and it's really one of these think pieces where they just try and come up with, oh, well, you know, if it was a neutron star or a small black hole forming, then maybe it would have this profile that we saw there's no real proof of what it was. It's just well, someone sounds, proposing things that match the data. Yeah, looking at the article, it sounds like they ruled out, uh, mo mostly ruled out a neutron star. But, uh, but they're still on board with the idea it could be a small little black hole. Yeah. Well, those neutron stars have some pretty big magnetic fields, man. I'll, let me tell you, those magnetic fields... So yeah, uh, I wasn't going to go into any details of the article. The most important part is the graphic at the top, which is the picture of the space cow. 
which is... A... Except, except I don't believe that's a proper picture of a space cow, because oh, space cows are spherical. It is an illustration of... Wait a minute, I thought chicken, space chickens were spherical. This is a space cow. No, no, no. Cows are spherical in space. Oh. Is this the old joke where, uh... The, uh I've, I've made a new, uh, a new process that, uh... Gets more eggs per month out of the chicken, but it only works for spherical chickens in a vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> there <you> yeah. Go. <clears throat> I have the solution, but it... Okay. Milk production at a dairy farm was low, so the farmer wrote to the local university asking for help from academia. A multidisciplinary team of professors was assembled, headed by a theoretical physicist, and two weeks of intensive on-site investigation took place. The scholars then returned to the university, notebooks crammed with data where the task of writing a report was left to the team leader. Shortly thereafter, the physicist returned to the farm, saying to the farmer, I have the solution, but it works only in the case of spherical cows in a vacuum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, classic. It's a classic one. Yeah. Well, you know, who was doing a story about a consultant, a scientific consultant, was behind the schemes on uh, number 75, Make Acid Rain, Not War. They had that... A little bit about cloud seeding and a little bit about chemtrails, but they brought up a story from, uh, I think it was the early 1900s. I'm trying to remember the date now, but it was the, this discussion of they had a really long drought and they hired a scientist to go find a way to make it rain. And so he came up with this thing where he was, was going to build a tower and he's going to spray um, basically the uh, the same stuff they spray out to do cloud seeding. In, the uh, silver nitride or silver something like nitride that. Silver nitride or iodine. Or I can't remember what it was. Um, I'm not a cloud seeder scientist. I don't know what this stuff is. Neither am I. But uh, I only seed the ladies. And where's my stomper? There we go. <laughs> and it's uh, over on the wrong side of my desk because I was playing piano earlier. Uh. <laughs> and it rained so hard that they actually took him to court and they... Uh, they told him, uh, it's your fault. We flood. There's a bunch of damage from the flooding now, and uh, we want to fine you for it. So He shook they the did. rain stick way too hard. Servo, it's iodine is the pronunciation. I don't know what iodide, iodide. iodide is. Silver iodide, then. Silver iodide. Okay. Well, I guess it's silver iodide, not iodine. I'm typing that in because I want to see what this chemical is. Silver iodide. Okay, sure, why not? Anyway, we had a couple other podcasts. Uh, Hog Story had their number 244, Tank and Listen. And I didn't catch that, but I did catch the five-minute limit. Did you listen yeah, to that Yeah, that one? was fun. <laughs> that was the... I, I called into that one. That was the... Um, th didn't you hear me that? going on about the firmament? I heard about the... Uh, right at the beginning, when Sir C Sitter called in... <laughs> And he, he started trying to order a pizza, and then he called a pizza. He called Papa John's. Yeah, that was <laughs> awesome. That was fun. <laughs> I, hope, I hope the five-minute limit uh, is like, going. Uh, yeah, ask, ask for a name for it. And he says, what does he say? He said Hog Story. He said and Hog then Story the, the guy on the other end just, yeah, <laughs> click. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, that was great, and uh, I actually did go back and listen to your behind the ski, uh, your absent a six pack uh, episode. By the way, speaking of Excellent. chemistry, and I thought it was great. You did a great job. It was very entertaining, and it was fun to hear you outside of Rare Encounter, <laughs> outside of uh, you know the studio that we're in now. Outside, outside of my usual 
range of nerdity into a whole different range of it. Yeah, it was it was a fun interview, and I thought your discussion of the um, the nature of matter. I think the, this old idea came up with, oh, well, the reason objects are solid are because the the atoms are just moving so fast. You can't, you know, they you can't put your hand through them or something. It's like, ah, oh, great. So I thought you did a great job of putting a accurate description of solid state chemistry. And I wanted to applaud you. I was, I was cheering you Thank on you. in my car when I was listening to this thing. So the only thing that I want, that I would have added is the terminology surface energy, which uh, is a fun term. Surface to, energy. Surface energy, uh, which is a fun description of matter. If you look in, why are solid objects solid and what's going on with the energy states of the at of the uh, atoms inside it because you kind of got into that you said oh well you know when it's solid it's uh you're kind of squeezing the heat out of it but one of the processes uh, is that actually how it is though because i was that was essentially an ass pull of something it's from what i know from what i know mm -hmm. about physics it makes sense because i mean I mean, you can't produce or destroy energy. It's simply going from one place to another, right? Oh, yeah. So it would make sense that if the molecules or and if the atoms are moving less as something becomes solid, it's like you're squeezing the heat out of it because the more they move, the hotter it is. Oh, yeah. And at the, well, you know, the concept of heat doesn't work for at a quantum level. Like the, the whole idea of thermodynamics is a macro level science, which is kind of a 19th century, you know, a discipline. It's, it's real and it makes a lot of sense. But the thing about it is it doesn't describe quantum events really well. And so like the idea of temperature doesn't exist at, in statistical mechanics, which is the modern quantum treatment. Okay, of you tell you know? me it doesn't exist. And yet, and yet the Kelvin is a... Uh is like one of the basic SI units. An atom doesn't have a temperature. Only when you have 10 to the 23 atoms and you consider for, from a statistical perspective how they interact with each other, then the, the idea of temperature starts to make sense. But there's no, okay. you, you can't measure the temperature of one atom. And it's not just that you can't measure it, it doesn't have a temperature. And so there's some, there's some interesting things that go on, but uh, your explanation was great though. Like you hit it right. Sweet. Yeah. I I nailed it without even without even trying. I liked it. I was cheering you on, like I said. The uh, it got me all excited. I like solid state chemistry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, uh, can I add my surface energy bit? I don't want to. I don't want to stop on you. What I want to say. Yeah, to yeah. Add it. So bring it in. So here's the brief description of surface energy: is that if you look at the energy of a solid object. Well, you know, if, if you try and look at the individual atoms and say, well, how much energy do they have? Okay, you could quantify that. What you'll find out is the bulk, if you had a block of aluminum or something like that, some metal, we'll say, for example, um, that the atoms on the inside, which are described as the bulk atoms, have a certain amount of energy. And the ones that are just at the surface, at the, the place where the, you know, the object stops existing, <laughs> And now there's nothing on the other side, you know, the boundary of the object. There's actually more energy there. And it only makes sense for it, it to be that way because um, the, uh, the thing we know about all these particles and all, all of the, the physics, the new physics and everything, is that all, everything wants to seek a lower energy state. And so 
if it was energetically better for a particle to inside an atom inside the object to be on the edge of the object, then all the all the atoms inside the object would just migrate out and the whole thing would dissolve. So for solid objects, there's more energy on the surface than there is on the inside. And one of the ways that you can quantify that is if you take, say, a piece of aluminum foil and you try and tear it in half. Well, it takes some it actually takes some energy to put into the system to cause the tear. How much of the energy is there? Well, it's double whatever the surface energy is along the, the seam that you're tearing down because you, you're taking bulk atoms that are on the inside of the foil and then you're making two new surfaces, which is, you know, the inside of the tear. And to do that, you have to add energy in. So if you did that carefully, you'd find out what the surface energy was by measuring how, how, how easy it was to tear the, uh, tear the foil in half. It's a, it's okay, a cool so little then, concept. Yeah. Then let me ask this, because this is a little more relevant to things that, that I deal with around the house and other, and other things I'm looking at. I, I don't do any of that. Um, I do is, high it, level. is this why... Yeah, is this why... Is this why conductivity, or not conductivity, but the ability to, like, the amount of power you can send over a wire is based on the surface area instead of volume? Um, it's based on the, well, it depends on the frequency. The, the, okay, the, the circumference of any, of any particular slice of the wire, yeah. rather than, rather than the area of... Of like that cut surface. No, um, the for a DC signal, the current is distributed for say a circular copper conductor. Um, like it could be twenty-two gauge wire, it could be a big bus conduit or whatever. The metal has a property called resistivity, which is, I think it's given in ohms per meter, and so if you have a cross-sectional area of a conductor, like the cross-sectional area of a 22-gauge wire is what you calculate what the theoretical resistance of a long wire would be. So you say, how many how many ohms per meter is this? Well, it depends on the cross-sectional area of it, and it's because the current's distributed evenly throughout a wire in for a DC current. So there's just as much current current flowing through the center of the wire as there is kind of on the outside edge. And it doesn't have to do with the surface energy because that's really the energy of the atom and the conductivity depends on how the electron cloud is, or the outermost electron. But what about the skin effect then? Skin effect only appears at AC. Okay. So with alternating currents, um, what you'll find out is that there's a what's called an evanescent wave. It's a non-prop. I don't know if that's the. I don't want to get into terminology here. What you'll find out is that the currents don't want to be in the center of the conductor and they get pushed to the outside. How They're not all on the outside edge. That's an incorrect way to think of it. But the current density starts to vary as uh, the depth of the, the conductor varies. Uh, and also depending on the wavelength of the frequency and everything. Uh, so the, what you find out is I think most of the current travels within five wavelengths of the of the surface uh, okay. a depth of five wavelengths but the wavelength in metal is really is different than uh the wavelength in free space so that's something else to consider all right so then in other words they aren't really that connected no not really and anyway okay. the, the skin effect is like to get into 
something where the skin effect would matter. I'm trying to think of like at 500 megahertz, um, if you had, which is, you know, it's pretty high frequency, like even a piece of aluminum foil isn't affected at all. Like a half mil piece of aluminum foil, which is the normal Reynolds wrap size, or, you know, heavy duty Reynolds wrap is one mil thick. The, um, it's just such that you don't have to worry I, I about have it at all. I've never actually seen, I've never actually seen like, Tin foil that you can that you can like buy at at the store that's an entire millimeter thick. Not millimeter, mill. It's a one thousandth of an inch. Oh, okay. It's like thirty um one millimeter is like thirty-five or six mils or something. I should know that off the top. Okay, then yeah, that's yeah, it's a, that makes more sense. I I hear mill and and I'm hearing millimeter. No, not, not a thousandth I, of an inch. You know, I got to. I'm working with a scientist. I, I I blame being. I blame it on being Canadian. I, fucking I, Leafs. I'm working with someone who's. Uh, I won't. I won't say he's upset, but he's not particularly thrilled about my mixing of units, where I like to use feet and inches, and he likes to use meters and centimeters. So it's yeah, we've got to work something out to make the marriage work. You know what I mean? It's gonna just work. do it all in metric. That's what the rest of the world One does. One nanosecond a foot is such an easy way to describe the velocity of light. I love it. One nanosecond a foot, one foot per nanosecond. It's so easy. It's a great approximation. <laughs> Why would you give that up for some weird centimeter thing? That's all I'm saying. All um, right. Anyway, it was a good appearance on Abs in a Six-Pack. Oh, my God. What do we got here? Um, to follow up, we had some anime how, stuff. How many, how many hogsheads does your car get to the rod? Hogsheads to the rod. Uh, you know, as much as three football fields. full of Three football fields of bubble gum. That's how many. <laughs> so I went and uh, I wanted to make a reference to a uh, short story I couldn't remember the name of last episode. It was an Arthur C. Clarke story called The Wall of Darkness. And I uh, talked it up last episode. I could not remember the name, but that was it. I tooted it after, and no agenda social, but I just wanted to say it on the show. But it's a really good short story by Arthur C. Clarke. I don't want to spoil it, though mm -hmm. I spoiled it on the last episode. It's it's a really fun one. Adventure, you know. What's going on with the, the wall world? of darkness? Especially if you like the the kind of science where you continually ask questions about the world and try and discover what's really going on about reality, this might be up your alley because that's where this story comes from, is that feeling of wanting to know uh, more and more about what's going, what's really, how do things really work, what's really going on. That desire is imbued in this story in a, in a wonderful way. And uh, Arthur C. Clarke did a great job. A scientist himself. Yeah. Uh, Clark uh, wrote uh, wrote a story about about uh, satellites and communist use of them to flood America with <laughs> pornographic television. Yes, it was yes. I remember Babylon or something like that. This was the first time that someone described geostationary orbit, if I remember right, and he's credited with being the first one to, well, you know, describe it. He said, well, you know, orbits go around the Earth, but yeah. if you put an orbit up in a certain way, uh, then it always orbits around the equator. And so the the speed between the object orbiting and the Earth rotating is, kind of, is really constant. 
It never changes. The only thing that matters is the distance between the center of the Earth and the object that's orbiting the Earth. And that kind of sets what the velocity is. And it turns out that if you move further away from the Earth, then the relative velocity slows down. Um, so, you know, you're making a certain orbit around the Earth. It takes a, there's an orbital period. And the Earth's spinning below you. Okay, if you're going in the same, uh, in the right direction, then, you know, it's slowing down. And if you go out far enough, like really far, then what happens is it stops. The relative speed of the Earth spinning and the orbit around the Earth is actually the same. And so you do continue to orbit, but it's almost like you're hanging out in the sky. So you can put a satellite somewhere up way over the equator where it appears to be fixed so that no matter the time of day or night, if you were standing on the surface of the Earth and you looked up and saw it, it would seem like it's just staying in the same place. And that was the idea of geostationary satellites. And uh, he calculated the, if I remember right, in the book he actually calculated what the radius would be and described someone doing it for the purpose of transmitting TV signals. And lo and behold, that's what Dish Network does. And that's what all the other satellite uh, communications providers do is they put up satellites at that radius that makes them uh, geostationary. Yep. So you know, you definitely know the story then. I've actually never read it. I've read more about. Oh, I have. I have the. I have the collection. It's in Tales of Ten Worlds, hmm. and it's the it's the first story in the in the collection. I had a different Arthur C. Clarke story collection, and I can't remember what it was called, but it had a bunch of stories, but it didn't have that one. Hmm. Which one did you, there? I mean, there were a lot of collections that yeah. uh, that he had. I think it was the collected stories of Arthur C. Clarke. Let me look at it. Yeah, it's at Forward, Travel by... Yeah, Travel by Wire was the first one. Uh, that was a fun one. This is the guy who invented teleporting. How We Went to Mars, The Awakening, Loophole. What was the name of the story again? Wow, there's one. 116 stories oh, in, shit. in that one. I must not have read it because I remember Babylon is in that, and it could be that I just didn't get to it. Uh the road to the to the sea was another really good one that was uh, that was in Tales of Ten Worlds. Yeah, the road to the sea. The oh, you know what my it's favorite... number twenty seven in the collected stories. Yeah, I read that one. Um, you know what my favorite was? It's number thirty five here. It's a very very the nine very billion short... names of God. It's a very short short story. It's about an IBM uh, engineer. They get hired by some, um, by a monastery. I'm trying to think of what it was. A Tibetan group of monks hire a company to build a computer where their their entire duty is to sit up in their monastery and record all of the names of God. There's nine billion of them, so it's been taking a long time. If you know what I mean. And so they said, "Well, our work could be simplified." By getting some engineers up here, and we're going to buy a computer and have it print out the nine billion names of God. And it's, uh, I won't spoil it. It is a fascinating story about field engineers from their perspective. They go out, they go up the mountain, they go to the monastery, and they have to meet the guys and make the sale and install the equipment. And, uh, you know, it shows that Arthur C. Clarke has some depth because beyond you know the sci-fi and the and the other things you know he has some business experience because when you read that story as someone who, who if you go out on you know installations and things like that you say oh shit that's just what it likes so he knows what it is so 
I would recommend that one. It's very short, too. Uh, you can read it in two or three minutes. I should probably pick up this, uh, the uh, collected stories. Because, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like it has all or almost all of his short stories in there. Yeah. I must have just missed that one. I, I would have remembered I remember Babylon. I guess I didn't remember Babylon. <laughs> no, you didn't line. remember remembering Babylon. I forgot to remember Babylon. That's all I could say. Oh, well. We've got some uh, some anime. You mentioned on the last episode, um, Kenichi Onuki, which was an art, uh, art director for one of the shows you're watching. Mm-hmm. And we brought him up briefly. I was trying to figure out what I knew his art style from, and we couldn't figure it out on the show. I went and found uh, the list of stuff that he worked on, and I wanted to bring up a couple things we didn't mention last show. It was Blue Gender. Was he was on the animation theme for that? And that was a fun. That was on Adult Swim too. I always liked that show. It had a great opening song. Uh, sounded just like um, I don't know. It sounded just like not Brandy Carlisle. Uh, what the hell is her name? He uh, did. Uh, he did some animation for Bubblegum Crisis. It was Bubblegum Crisis, Project Echo, uh, key animation on Royal Space Force. This guy's been on so many different things. That's Wings of Honey Mayonnaise to the Rare Encounter fans. Yep. Uh, the Dirty Pair TV series, Pokemon 1997. And what I wanted to bring up, here's what blew my mind. He did character design on Garzy's Wing. Yeah. Garzy's Wing, of course, Rare Encounter uh, fans know Garzy's Wing from the uh, the clips that we played, I think, last year. And I brought a couple of them back just so we can remember what Garzy's, what Garzy's Wing was like. So brace yourselves. I'm going to play a couple clips from Garzy's Wing. Listen to this. Oh, my God. I felt like I was having a dream. I was bruised all over my body because I had to fight naked. Mom told me I have bruises all over my body. Is there any connection to this? There is a war going on. Even dinosaurs are here. And they use bows and arrows. My sword is unbelievably dull. <laughs> my sword is unbelievably dull. No, Garzy's wig was a, a masterpiece. My God, just listen to this. Why do you have to go back to your hometown now? It doesn't matter. I will come back after I attend the class reunion pool party tomorrow, Rumiko. <laughs> Rubico. Rubico. After I attend the class reunion <laughs> pool party. Oh my god. This was the Isekai anime that the the guy from Gundam made after he was he went kind of like how Paul Simon made a bunch of shitty records because no one would tell him no. He got too famous and no one could stop him. That that's how Garzy's <laughs> wing came about. And then you got shit like this. My necklace is rattling. I wonder could it be the Shiratori Shrine? This must be the place where Yamato Takeru no Mikoto came down from the sky. What? What the heck is this now? Ah! Ah! And then the disco duck comes down and swoops him up. That's how he gets Isak duck. The disco duck isekais him to some fantasy world where he has to lick the gunk off a fairy's wings. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> Garzi's wing, man. That was just terrible, terrible fucking show. But Kenichi Onuki, you know, he guess he did uh, character design for it, so it's got that going for it. Yeah, he he's he's dealt with stuff. That's that's for sure. I mean, his catalog goes from Pokemon 1997, where he was the animator on that, 
to, you know, Bubblegum Crisis and this stuff from the Demon 80s. City Shinjuku. Up to apparently modern shit, too. This is a guy who's been around for a long time. I guess he's drawn those frames, man. This is a guy who's drawn those frames. He, he's probably, he's probably, he was probably picked to work on, uh, on uh, Kyokai Senki because of his uh, Gundam work. I mean, oh, yeah. Gundam build fighters. He was uh, character design animation director uh, for a number of the uh, build fighters series. Uh, mobile, mobile, uh, mobile suit Gundam Seed. Uh, Gundam Double Zero. Oh, that was good. Zeta Gundam Key Animation on Episode One. He didn't work on Gundam Unicorn, did he? It doesn't look like it. Oh, I don't see. Uh, I don't see MS Gundam Unicorn there. Ah, well. Star Blazers Twenty One Ninety Nine. Yeah, I guess he worked on that. <laughs> Sword Art Online Two Key yeah. Animation for Episode Nine. You know, sometimes you just need a paycheck. You know what I mean? Hey, hey, <laughs> SAO is actually pretty decent. Oh, hey. no, it's not. It's a job. He just sometimes you just need a job, and this guy needs one, too. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So we got, I got two stories left. I either have the sad Christmas tree or the hockey disrespects teachers in South Dakota. I think we got to go with the sad Christmas tree. I, I saw the picture on the article and was like, that's going in our notes. <laughs> okay. So this was from Washington. Uh, it was a guy named uh, Fritz Turner in Newport, Washington, was complaining that when he got back from Texas, he went to his hometown and he saw the Christmas tree they set up in the town square and it looks terrible. It's christmas cactus more I, like the way they've got the lights on it it's stratified or lead or strips really it's not even it's not even proper lights they like put vertical lead strips around the tree yeah you have to see this uh did you link the story yes, yeah you yes, already did. did that so the folks in the chat uh can see that by the way if you want to chat with us you can go on to rearencounter.net and there's a link to our chat room there, our IRC chat room. And you can go and uh, troll along and yell at us on the show. And if you say something really dumb, I might even mention you on the show. So keep cracking. There, uh, there's, a there's a great line in this article. This tree is just sad, he wrote. We can do better. Even Charlie Brown's Christmas tree looked better than this sad spruce. <laughs> yeah, this sad spruce. <laughs> You thought you liked this old house. This is this sad spruce from the from the makers of this old house. This sad spruce. The uh, bottom line is he <laughs> he found the I guess the a GoFundMe that didn't piss me off. How about that? And uh, what? yeah, so he started a GoFundMe page to redecorate the tree and uh, yep. raised. He was seeking five thousand dollars and apparently got it. So I don't see the picture Sounds of the new tree. Like Sounds like they got uh, about $2,700 by Sunday. Oh, so it's not done yet? By I'm Sunday. not sure if it's done yet or, or if that's all they got. Maybe it's it's redecorate the tree before Christmas. That'd be a good way to do it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to get all the money after Christmas, right? <sighs> yeah. Uh, Carb Blaine's is yelling at me in chat. Sorry about that. I guess I told her to, so... <laughs> I can't complain. No, Servo is yelling at you about Thanks. iodide. I, yeah, that's from a long time ago. Um, anyway, 
I think that was it for the show. I mean, do we have anything else? We can do the... Um, what do you want to bring up? I've... We got a little time. We got just enough time for maybe one more story. You want to hit it? Yeah, we got a, we got a little bit more time. You can hit my hockey uh, one if you want. What else do I have? Ah, oh, Scan of the Month. You ever heard of this site? Scan of the Month? Scan of the Month. Is this like a New World Order type of stuff? What's Scan of the Month? No, they... they... Every month they stick something in like a uh, a CT machine and Ooh. you get to see you get to see what it is. This month is AirPods evolution. Uh, last month was actually Lego minifigures. Cool. Oh, this yeah. is a great website. Whoa. I can... wanted to bring I wanted to bring this up last month, so it's a good thing that I hit the archive button last month because they don't have a way of going back to the previous month scans. It's a, it's always just whatever the actual month is. Oh, this is great. So this is uh computed tomography and they do get a 3D yep. image. This is uh very nice. Um I wish they would put a scale on the color coding. So obviously, as you look at it, this from different angles, they're changing the alpha uh, of each voxel. So you can kind of see what's inside it. But does it yeah, say, let's see, CT scan. With, uh, it's an X-ray CT scan, right? If you look the Lego scan, right? one, you'll see that, yeah. If you look the Lego one, you'll see that they didn't do any real sort of false coloring. Or at least not as much false coloring. Because you can see in places like, for example, where there's certain paints on the minifigure, they, they're they still visible there, right? Hmm. And uh, it lets you see, like, the hollows in the, in the Legos. Yeah, this is... So wait a minute. You're telling me that the paint has a different X-ray property? It has a different reflectivity density? I think this is fucking yes. false color. Where does it say the paint has that? The paint has a different reflectivity density, and it shows up on the CT scanner. Not only yeah. that, but it can focus look, on it. Look at the firefighter. You see those green stripes on the on the firefighter, like the the clothing decals on the body. Yeah. No, I when see you, it. I, I see it, but I'm yeah. I'm uh, questioning this. Where do I get the so source? There data? is something. There is something in the paint for for those like green stripes on there that has different reflectivity than the rest of the paint hmm. because otherwise it wouldn't be showing it wouldn't be showing them in the scan like that hmm. i want the source data do they post that is there a way to get the uh actually the raw ct data not as far as i know you'd have to contact them i would think can i do that on here get notified when the next scan is live i don't want that i want to know yeah that's email. that's about it uh, hi, good day. <laughs> Did you find an email address for them? No, they have a uh, suggest box, and I'm just going to enter my shit into there. Okay. Hey. But now you've seen inside a minifig. Good day. Submit. There we go. All those plastic innards. So I asked them to send me the raw data from the skin, and I will do... I will uh, form an image and decide for myself what's real. And As, what's for sale. And what's for sale. Though, you know, x-rays, you know, x-rays are probably, uh... 
I'm just, I'm just, I keep going back and forth. It seems like, so I guess I'm used to, I'm used to longer wavelength imaging. So I've done this kind of thing where you make a 3D model out of shit and materials like plastic, you can't tell the difference at longer wavelengths, even at like a hundred gigahertz. It's hard to tell what's what, you know, a little piece of paint maybe not, may not matter at all. Um, a lot of paint will though. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe it'll turn into a project. All right. Wouldn't be the first. No, it would not. Yes, it's the Abel Kirby fills out a web form podcast. That's what we do. You hear me uh, type on my keyboard, clickety-clack. Well, until next time, I've been Abel Kirby. I've been Cold Acid. Type it in those web forms. Keep it fruity, boys. Adios. Don't you know everybody tell me she wasn't satisfied?